Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Welcome, everyone, to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. My name is Ben Smith. Uh, joined by me are my two co-hosts, Curtis Wister and Austin Miner, the uh, lobster bow and old town canoe to my sailboat. Okay. I like okay. it. I All like right. it. All right. The pause and the delivery. You got me. I didn't know what the third was, like, was going to be. <laughs> old, I got a canoe. Cool. <laughs> you got a canoe, right? So I have an old town kayak. There you, there you go. go. Well, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're in May, right? So it's, you're starting to think about being outside a little bit in Maine summers and being on the Maine waters and spring and, you know, all that. So yeah, I thought we'd throw a little, little nautical, uh, yeah. theme, uh, to start off the show today. So we've been kind of going into, of course, a lot of, uh, again, kind of purpose driven things and, Obviously, we want to be tying money and purpose as part of our podcast theme that we have with the Retirement Success main podcast. So uh, it, it just requires us, I think, sometimes to lean back into the financial end. And that's what we want to do today was uh, have the three of us kind of go through and just you know, we've been meeting with a lot of our clients right now. And Austin is uh, getting introduced to a lot of our of our client base and in meeting new folks in our in our Portland market as well. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to kind of obviously we've been giving our tips to our clients, but we wanted to share those with you today is hey, what are what are things that we're saying to uh, to our clients and our client meetings and um, things that maybe you as a listener might be able to take advantage of as well. So we're giving you today uh, nine financial tips uh, from our financial planning and uh, financial advisory sessions that we do. So that's what we're going to do today's little format. So each of us are going to kind of uh, do some back and forth in terms of things that we've been saying and doing. And um, so I'll, I'll kind of start off today. So I think one thing that Obviously, with interest rates being higher, is that um, it, it? And I know that for those that have been with us in our show for a long time, we talk about the need of having an emergency savings account. Right? Is having having three to six months of expenses on hand. Right? Something happens in your life. You obviously might have lost a job. Something happens, and now I need to have cash on hand. Right? Or maybe my pay is not, I'm on commission or my bonus didn't get there. Things like that can happen. So if you've been accumulating cash over the years, which I think we all did a lot of in the pandemic as we weren't spending money, right? We were, we we're kind of a lot of us were net savers. So our tip is to really take a hard look at your cash accounts, right? At your bank, at your credit union, and really kind of reshuffle here. So look at this and say, hey, what's in my checking and savings? Yeah. Ideally, we think that should be zero to three months of your cash needs are in that kind of that short term. Hey, I can walk into the physically into a branch today and I can withdraw money. Um, I can pay my bills for the first three months, that sort of thing. So that's where obviously you're not going to get paid a lot of interest, right? Is checking mm-hmm. and savings just typically don't give a whole lot there. So that, that's normal. But then looking forward and saying, hey, what about a money market fund, right? So money markets uh, have restrictions of six transactions a month, right? But because of those restrictions, 
you can obviously get more interest from them. So that that for us, when we when we've been kind of having these conversations, is looking at three to twelve months of cash needs being in a money market, right? And sometimes even longer. Uh, but I think the added wrinkle right now that's happening, right? Interest rates are are higher. Uh, the Fed just raised rates again on uh, May 3rd. So that happened to the five to the five and a quarter range. So you're seeing a lot of savings accounts, especially if you look at, so I guess our, our point is shop, yeah. shop around, yeah. look at what's available. Again, check out internet only banks. And I know there's some there's some fear out there with banks from, from the First Republic uh, failure and the Silicon Valley Bank failure. Keep in mind, FDIC insurance limits, right? So $250,000 per depositor. But thinking about that, staggering your money out, so that three to 12 months in money market, again, that's a great way to get more interest. Problem with money markets, though, is that the interest rate's going to float up or down every month. So a lot of what we're hearing and what we kind of see and what in the Fed and what the Fed minutes are saying is, look, they are trying to raise rates to break inflation. And one of the ways that may the inflation might be broken is to force us into a recession. So if a recession happens, then interest rates would come down. So then if you have your money in a money market where the interest rates are floating, that obviously in long term, that might not be a great solution. So the next tier here are CDs. So again, suggesting looking around, seeing how long can you build basically a CD ladder. So can you go maybe up to five years out and lock in these rates today for as long as you possibly can? And know that the penalty of break is CD. Again, the longer you go, the more the penalty is. But the penalty is really giving back interest, yeah. right? So your principal, the, the money I give the bank or credit is still there. But if I have to break a CD because I need the money today, I'm typically giving back interest that I was paid. And that can vary by the length of the of the CD. So if you do think you might break some, then, well, don't put all of your money into one CD, then break it all at once. You could stagger them out in smaller amounts, right? And have them mature at different times. But having this zero to three month checking savings, three to 12 money market, and then longer term savings in CDs, now's a really great time to think about interest rates, try to get as much as you can. Because we, we've experienced a lot of our client base looking at this and going, hey, I'm only getting 0.1% in my bank account and it has a ton of money in it. What should I do with it? I think that that's really a uh, a starting place for us is look at that uh, that three-level kind of savings uh, tier program there. So that, that, I think that's our first uh, tip we wanted to give you uh, guys today. So I know, Austin, you got one as well. Yeah, no, but on to your point, it's something that clients aren't used to just because we've been in such a low interest rate environment for so long over the last you know 10 years for the majority of that. It wasn't really something that even made sense to look at. And there's real money on the table by just having more of that bucketed approach where you take the short term money and keep that as, like you said, the zero to three months. And uh, if you can put money away into CDs, especially, but also money market right now, it can be a game changer for the money management part. So absolutely. Um, yeah, on the other side of things, maybe not as, uh, encouraging are taking a look at your current debts. Um, so, you know, any debt that you have now, but also any upcoming ones, like Ben said, 
interest rates are much higher now than we've been used to seeing them over the last, you know, five to 10 years. And so just trying to plan accordingly. So whether that means making changes on a personal level with, you know, maybe putting a big purchase off that you would have to finance or just shopping around to see what you can find a little bit more when it comes to lower interest rates, um, you know, or using a larger portion of your cash in the short term. Um, so there are options there, but I think it's, it's definitely, you know, on the money flowing outside of things, it's very important to consider this because those same interest rates that are giving us good rates in our, our money market accounts are really hurting us on the uh, the debt side of things. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add on that, Austin, too, right? Because obviously one of the big purchases that many of us have been doing over the last three years Right, are, are, are buying homes, right? Is buying newer homes, buying into, uh, other locations, right? Cause we all were relocating during the pandemic to places where we can enjoy our life a little bit more, right? And a lot of people came to the state of Maine for that reason. But obviously mortgages right now, interest rates are way up from what we're used to. Mm. Prices haven't quite changed yet though, right? I think that's, there's not a whole lot of sellers and there's still a whole lot of buyers. And I think that's keeping the prices up a little bit. So patience might be warranted there from a from a buying side is maybe putting it off a little bit and kind of wait and seeing if the economy softens, how that might impact um, either interest rates, uh, as we said, sure. or, or maybe prices or, or both. Or both. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a great point. And, and I'm, I'm glad both of you kind of brought those up. And I think a through thread there is, you know, Ben to yours is right. Shop around, see what's out there. And I think Austin, as you said, that, that relates exactly to the debt side of, of things too. You know, I think we've all seen clients who have, have done really good job, whether it's saving or planning purchases, but we just get in, I'm guilty of this myself. I get so comfortable where I do business that I don't even think to look elsewhere and there may be better things out there. So I think that's a really good uh, kind of through thread for you both. And my point that I wanted to bring up here to kick off kind of the first round for all three of us, uh, Ben, you and I were kind of on the same page here, but I wanted to bring up emergency funds. And I know you you touched on it a little bit, but it's just so important um, to especially now to be really padding those emergency funds, right? We just talked about it. Recession is probably on the way. <laughs> you know, if the Fed has their way, it is on the way, right? And that leads to right layoffs, less organizational profitability. Again, Ben, you mentioned if you're working on a commission base, selling houses, for example, or whatever it is, right? Bonuses mm-hmm. may be down, kind of whatever your kind of situation is, I think it's smart to at least plan for a little bit of downturn here in some part of your your income stream. So um, again, just panic, uh, kind of padding emergency funds, really just socking away the money. And then again, to circle back to Ben's point here, once you have that emergency savings, make sure you're doing it in the a place that's the most beneficial for you in your financial picture, right? Again, I think we all three of us have had conversations in the last month with clients who have done such a great job saving. But again, it's in a checking account or it's in a, a low interest savings account. So you're doing the hard work. It's and we applaud that every single time we see it, but it's taking that next step to really shop those interest rates and and get the money in the best place really for you and in, in your individual situation. 
So Curtis, what would you tell somebody, right? So if they said, because you're, you're saying pad it more, right? And we kind of had this like three tier approach. How would you, so with the recession, how would you kind of thinking about emergency savings and how that maybe that money market tier, how would you extend it? Would you, because again, we're kind of saying like three months, maybe six months of emergency expenses or expenses. How would you, when you kind of say pad, how would you pad that more? Yeah, you know, I, I know I, I probably to contradicted myself saying, hey, we're all going to have less money, but you need to save more. So no, I think that's a good point. I think there's, and I think some of them we're going to get to later in this this conversation, but I think the kind of off the top, the the surface level, just kind of revisiting your budgeting, right? And again, I know we're going to, we all kind of have this this list of our, our topics, so I don't want to step on anyone's future kind of discussion point, but just it's always good to sit down and reassess your spending, right? Are you spending appropriately or are there things you can cut out, right? That's probably the easiest way to to have extra money to go into your savings. I know that's tough in this. Uh, again, I feel like I'm teasing the whole sheet here, but we're in, a, in an inflationary market here and things are costing more every single day. So I know that may be tough, but you know, I think really anything, anything helps, I think, right? The more we can go ahead. But you would probably go like, so if it's, if we're saying three to six months is what people should save, mm-hmm. would they go to six to nine months? Would they go to 12 months? Would they go to 18 months? What would be a level of increased moat, I it, guess, so that they, people should consider? Yeah. I think certainly trying to get at least to the 12 month, I think would be a huge goal, right? Cause it, I think the, the kind of worst case scenario we play out with clients is if, you know, we lose a job, it could take you about a year, up to a year to find a job with, that with a, you know, an income level, a salary level that you're accustomed to. So again, the key here is having that, as you said, Ben, moat around you to be able to survive and live the life pretty close to how you're living now for those 12 months while you really work to, to replace that income. So, you know, I think if we could, I think probably the gate I would move is the first number, right? The three month, I would, I would try to get that closer to six to 12 off of, off of a basis. Gotcha. I like that. So one thing that I think, Curtis, you were bringing up was this concept of fighting inflation, right? And I think that's something we've been talking about is, again, inflation in some ways is our friend, in some ways it isn't, right? And I think that's where it is our friend. We got to work hard to have it work with us. And then we got to fight against it in certain things, and especially from our cost side. So, uh, so I want to spend a few moments on fighting inflation, right? Because I think that's, uh, that's something for obviously, why do we invest, right? We invest so that we can keep our purchasing power. So if it costs more to do the same things we're doing today, tomorrow, then we need to have, that's one way investments can fight inflation long-term for us is to retain purchasing power. So with that said, so one thing in terms of fighting inflation, so keeping track of how your monthly expenses right now are changing in price and re-budget for those costs. And this is, I think, when we see people make budgets, hmm. especially during inflationary time periods, is they go, oh yeah, I spend you know, X number of dollars a week on groceries. And, and I just lock that in. Well, by the way, over the last 12 months, you have inflation that's been double digits, right? Yeah. As you, you've had 10% inflation, in, by the way, and some items are, are in the teens, right? So there mm. certain items have been going up a whole lot. So keep track of that, right? Is what we want to say is, is that obviously you might set your budget for the year is like, okay, here's my costs. 
here's my 401k contribution. Here's my obviously income coming from the top and flowing down. And here's all the fun money I'm going to have this year. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to be able to do the vacation. I'm going to be able to what, like, obviously I'm, I'm taking Curtis's advice. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm padding my emergency savings. I'm doing all these things, but all of a sudden our costs get bigger. Right. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really account for it. But we're like, hey, our budget says we can do that vacation this year that we've been planning. And we our budget says we can go buy that car and all the things. And then we find out, geez, we were contributing all this money to the 401k account. And we are now in deficit. Our emergency savings going down, not up. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm needing more money, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that happens a lot, I think, in inflationary environments is that you have to redo your budget more frequently and to keep track on things to make sure that that gap that you thought was there is there. And, and it's some, it's something where, again, it's just pretty easy to be on autopilot. It's like, yeah, like I always spend X number of dollars on that. And, and well, that's the way it's always been. And now it isn't. Yeah. And, and I think, Ben, if I could just jump in for a second, I, I think that's something that the three of us see more frequently now too. just, you know, the way our kind of, I'll give listeners an insight to us if they don't know. So kind of the way we, we operate, it's all kind of around this financial plan that we do. And we, you know, we do these, we have a questionnaire and people fill in their budget. And in times like this, like from our last meeting to say a meeting that we're doing now with someone that, but that, you know, the, to pick on the single line item that they put in for groceries, it's just, sometimes it's not even close anymore because of just the rising costs. So I just wanted to kind of reiterate kind of what we're actually seeing that happen in our meetings with, when we look at financial plans. And it's, again, to your point, Ben, I think it's just, if it's a more frequent check-in on that budget, it, I think it's only going to help at this point. Yeah. So, so I think that's something where, again, that's one way to fight inflation is, okay, make sure you're budgeting appropriately for it. Because if all of a sudden, hey, we're worried about the next 12 to 24 months of what's happening in our in the the global economy and maybe how that's going to impact us personally, I think that's something to keep in mind is, hey, just make sure that the savings part is continuing to happen mm. and um, in that other places that are are kind of competing for those dollars that you're just kind of keeping that in check a little bit. The second point I want to make on fighting inflation, this might be a little bit late, but one thing that we've been saying to our clients of the last uh, year or so is to check out these series I bonds uh, from the U S treasury. These are direct, right? So you have to go to the U S treasury themselves. And we'll put a link in our show notes to that, uh, that page to check out. But these are, if you think about, I don't know, kind of growing up, you get a, you know, from your mom, dad, grandparent, you get a savings bond, right? Like, oh, we got you a savings bond, Ben, and, it, you know, 30 years, and it's going to be worth a lot of money, like like those things, right? This is kind of what that is, mm. except the I stands for inflation. And this goes right back to, uh, it was a... He was in the late 90s, uh, Vice President at the time, Al Gore, uh, proposed this as a way that, coming out of the 80s to fight inflation. And it was obviously not well used in the 2000s because we didn't really have inflation, right? right? So that was, that was something where it hasn't been used very much. But now over the last couple of years, this program has really taken off. So how does it work? So you can buy electronically or paper uh, these bonds. They're 30-year bonds. So they're you are buying 30 years of them. But you can get you can break the bond after one year. 
so you you can buy uh, you know lots of different increments electronically as more inc- increments than uh, paper does. But essentially, if I buy a thousand dollar bond, for example, and what I would, I would get a kind of nominal interest rate, zero or one percent, mm-hmm. and then I get inflation on top of that. So I get uh, the consumer price index number, whatever that is. Um, in every six months, that I bond is going to reset to what's happening in CPI, right? So that's something where last year, these I bonds were paying 9 and 10% interest, yeah. right? So all of a sudden, hey, I got $1,000 and I'm getting $100 in interest for a year, right? So that was that, that's one way to, hey, if inflation's up on one end, Maybe my, if I can keep track on my savings along the way, then I've kind of neutralized the impact of inflation, right? So that's one way to do it. But again, we kind of talked about interest rates might be coming down. Obviously, the Fed is trying to fight inflation right now and bring that number yeah. down. So I think right now, if you look in uh, May of 23, I think there's like it just reset it. Again, so it's a May, November uh, reset cycle. Yeah. So I think that's, it's in the four, 4.3. Yeah, four point three percent level right now. So again, that's that's probably close to what you can probably get on a banking end, but it, it it's different, right? Because what if it hey next uh, we have another disruption of supply chain and inflation goes crazy again? Yeah. Here's something that will react with it, right? And I I think that's the benefit of it is. Hey, doesn't mean that today it's great and tomorrow it might be better. You know, a year from now it might not be good and two years from now it might be even better again, right? So if you have it, that might be something that's a way to diversify some of your savings and to counteract any any possible inflation that might come up. So yeah. I, I, we just would say, check those out, yeah. see if that kind of fits. Uh, but again, it has to go directly through the US Treasury. So you can't go through us as an advisor or a bank. You you really have to transact through the uh, US Treasury directly. So that, that was our kind of second point of fighting inflation. Yeah, that's a good one, Ben. And, and like you said, I'll, uh, we'll have a link to the, the Treasury Direct website in the show notes for this so people can go check that out. So another point I wanted to bring up uh, about fighting inflation, anyone listening, feel free to use me as your advocate on what I'm about to say. Um, so right, we're all work, or most of us are working probably. One of the easiest ways to kind of fight inflation is to get a raise, right? So go ask for a raise. And I know that's easier said than done. So feel free to say that Curtis on the Retirement Success in Maine podcast said that you deserve a raise and you're going to fight inflation. When, when you walk into that manager's <laughs> office, you drop that as the first that's line right. that Curtis says. I'll I put my email in the show raise. notes. So I'll be a reference for anyone who wants to know. No, but seriously. So in- increasing our income is one of the easiest ways to, to cope with inflation, right? It's more money coming into us that's helping fight the more money we're spending on the, on the back end. And, you know, if a raise isn't in the works, you know, similar to we were talking about with the savings account, shop around a little bit. You may, you know, switching jobs might help get into a higher income kind of pay scale, or it may even put pressure on your current employer, right? You know, there's, there's a line I think that you can tiptoe and I'm no, um, HR professional here, but I think getting, uh, being aware of your pay scale and appropriateness and, and making your current employer aware of that. And, you know, I think it would only help. But again, even switching, uh, switching jobs also might help re-energize you, right? We've all kind of 
maybe been doing the same thing for so long and a, a change might help morale and, and your, your bank accounts. And so I, I think just, I know it's, uh, I started kind of jokingly with it, but really it is important to look at where you lie personally and on pay scales. And, and if it's appropriate, then that's great. If it's not, I think, you know, we got to be our own advocates and, and make sure we're, we're making what we, what we deserve. Yeah. Uh, one, don't discount your position of power today, right? It's yeah. obviously a lot of employees right now. There's there's a lot of open positions. There's not enough people to fill them, right? So that gives um, you a lot more position of power to ask uh, mm-hmm. for something, especially when you've been somewhere for a long time, right? And yeah. you've really not gotten a whole lot of increase along the way in your career. I think that's um, that's something to keep in mind. And again, if that employer is not willing to do this, again, keep an open mind to looking around. Yeah. I would say two is we've had a career coach on our uh, podcast before. Mm. And sometimes you, you know, sometimes we got to work through things, right? Is we have a lot of emotional baggage and loyalty and all that that goes with our current. And again, what, who we view ourselves as it comes from our identity of a job. So going to a career coach is also helpful too. well, Well, here's all the skills you have where can they translate and where can I not only, as you said, Curtis, re-energize, but also where maybe I can make a bigger impact. Maybe I can do things that are funner. Uh, maybe it's a funner culture at another place. Mm-hmm. There's lots of things I think to consider um, in addition to the raise part, but I think kind of opening yourself up and sometimes it's really difficult when we're in our uh, kind of the later stages of our career to go, well, it's, it's too late. And again, that, if there's one thing we, we, our mantra here at, at Guidance Point in our, in our podcast is not too late. So yeah. I just want to make that point too, is that I think it's something to look around on. Yeah. Yeah. And as someone who just recently changed jobs and moved here, <laughs> I can actually attest that it uh, it helps with a lot of things and especially quality of life. So it's really something I think that should be taken seriously. And just think about it. You know, it's something you don't want to act on rash, rashly, but uh, yeah. it's definitely something that can be a big game changer. Last part here for uh, fighting inflation is keeping your investments on track. So what I mean by this is not going to cash or staying in cash. It's not a good long-term strategy. That sounds very straightforward, right? <laughs> but it's something that can easily happen if you're not looking at your time horizons for the different buckets that you have. So just like Ben talked about at the beginning with different buckets for cash, so the money market CDs and checking, we want to keep buckets for our investments as well as our shorter-term cash needs. So we go through this process with clients during our planning where we make sure and look at, you know, what you need in cash given your expenses and then what you can invest for long term. And once you've identified what you can invest for that longer term uh, time horizon, really being disciplined, even during tough times when it can be a little scary, just trying to be as disciplined with that as possible because making moves into cash and then back into investments and back and forth isn't going to help your long-term returns and and it can actually very seriously hurt them. So being invested is a great way to fight inflation, you know, over the long term. It's historically going to be our one of our highest means of return. So it's just something to always keep in mind even though it seems, you know, pretty mm-hmm. basic. And then the next uh item outside of fighting inflation is uh kind of in line with what I was just talking <laughs> about as well, which is rethink your stock to bond mix. 
So it's all about managing your portfolio in a way that you can get the returns needed to achieve your goals, to meet your expenses. And so if we can do that with as little risk as possible, we're only going to be helping ourselves. So one thing we've seen with the rise in rates over the last year or so is that bonds are paying quite a bit more. So corporate bonds are paying nearly 5% as of May this year, 2023. So rethinking your stock to bond mix, if nothing else, just making sure that it's within an acceptable range, given the much higher rates that we're getting from bonds. Mm -hmm. But that might actually mean shifting more heavily into bonds where you can potentially lock in a rate of, say, that closer to 5% for the next five to 10 years, and you're taking off some risk from the table by getting out of um, as heavy a concentration in stocks. So it's a a good problem to have if you can make that change. Um, But this just happens to be a very beneficial time to do something like that. Yeah, I I think you you nailed it there, Austin. And, you know, I think the key piece, like you said, is depending on kind of where you are in your kind of investment lifetime, if you will. And, you know, uh, we have people who if that number, right, say it's 5% is will kind of make their plan work. Why, why do we need to take all the risk to get that 5%, right? It's so, you know, I think that's a a really important piece you brought up, but now just for the fun of it, I'm going to say the complete opposite and look at it from a different angle of someone who maybe wants to take a lot of risk, um, or say a younger investor or something like that. So be greedy is my, my tip. Be greedy when others are fearful. Okay. So when times are kind of, fearful and people are scared and say there's steep market losses coming, you know, right now I know there's a lot of talk about the debt ceiling, which we could all probably talk about for another hour after this if we wanted to. But times like that in this, I guess now can really present opportunities for higher upside, right? The whole point, the last kind of few bullet points have been stay with your plan, right? Double down on it. If you're okay with risk, if you're invested appropriately, again, keyword is appropriate. If it's appropriate for you and your plan and your time horizon, now is a great time to just dive in, right? If the market goes down, buy some more, right? We like to tell people on kind of a surface level, you know, when the market goes down, stocks are on sale, right? They're, say it goes down 20%, you can buy a stock for 20% less. I know it doesn't feel good to see our balances go down when that happens. But again, understanding the way it works, understanding the impact of it staying invested throughout your entire investable timeline, it's a great time to really double down on the risk. Um, again, assuming it's a very appropriate for you and, and you individually. Yeah, because again, even looking backwards, um, you know, there's been quite a few scenarios where, you know, I know elections was something that people were kind of fearful of, or was, yep. you know, obviously political uh, environment is so divisive and people are so loyal to one party or the other mm-hmm. that the other party's going to win. I know it. And then all of a sudden things are going to be bad. And, and that didn't really happen, right? So I think that's that's something where there's a lot of these time periods where people get really nervous, uh, really fearful, and it's always this time is different, right? That oh, yep, this is, this is we've never seen this one before, and this is why it's going to be all different this time. And and I get it, right? As I yeah. can, I can kind of um, kind of agree with that, right? Is it does feel very different. So I would say that uh, I would I would go ahead and kind of. If you can lean into it, just think about 2020. Jeez, we were we had a pandemic. We had a virus that we we didn't know how um, how deadly it was going to be. We had to stay home, shut the economy down, mm-hmm. 
And that market recovered. It was what six or eight weeks. It went down thirty yep. percent, and within another eight to twelve weeks, it had almost fully recovered. Yep. So I think that's from a perspective size. Like though, if they're going to shake out of a of an environment, that's probably one of them that would have done that. But yep. just again, the market is forward looking, and I think that's something where we're in the moment looking now. The market's looking ahead to twelve to eighteen months, and that's why I think twenty twenty was so poor. Well, we're it was pricing in a recession. It was pricing in uh, a lot of what we think is going to happen here um, at the end of 2023. So I think that's that's something where we we might be a little late in reacting, and I think that can uh, obviously cause more harm, as what Austin was saying there too. Mm. Yeah, and, and to that point uh, with with Curtis's, you know, be greedy when others are fearful. I think you know what to me that says is look for opportunity instead of reacting with fear. Absolutely. So, you know, something that comes to mind uh, for me and something that we talk to clients about is when the markets are rough, you know, like it, after a 2022 where the markets were, you know, way down on most areas, consider doing a Roth conversion. You know, this isn't going to be something that's right for everyone, mm -hmm. but with balances in IRAs and 401ks depressed from those market declines, you know, it could be especially beneficial for folks who haven't started drawing social security and aren't subject to required minimum distributions. So you have to pay income taxes on the amount you convert. But from a long-term perspective, the pros of a Roth conversion in 2023 tilt the scales towards moving forward with this strategic move. So that's just an area that I think, again, if we're always trying to think about things moves that can be beneficial for us rather than just dwelling on the fear of different situations we can actually uncover some things that could potentially have huge impacts on our portfolio and our financial well-being long term yep it is the it is the proverbial lemons and lemonade right it's like we don't like experiencing losses we don't like uh kind of having having things not work out but Again, I think that's that's what folks are hiring us to do is go, exactly. hey, what can we do now to take a step that's beneficial long term? And while things are, are subdued and suppressed, Austin, I think you're exactly right, is that Roth conversion is a really big deal. So um, I think that's a that's a really awesome tip there. I want to maybe go to the softer side, maybe back to the budgeting is maybe our mm. eighth tip here is... Um, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Uh, check your pandemic subscriptions. Uh, you guys both know I've been, uh, I've been on Peacock here like crazy uh, streaming Yellowstone, right? So yep. I'm all, I'm all caught up on the Duttons, right? I know, <laughs> I know what's happening now and Rip and Beth and, you know, I don't want to spoil spoiler, it. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Yes. Yeah. So I'm all, I'm all caught up. But it's like, well, what I look at Peacock and I go, well, what else do I really want to watch? And I go, ah, yeah, I look through now. I'll just flip to another streaming service. Why are we paying for that if if I'm all set and all caught up on what Kevin Costner's doing this episode, right? Like, I'm, I'm good. So you can cut out the Peacock. You can uh, you have our permission. So if you're not using the streaming service, right, don't let those keep accumulating, right? Don't the 15 bucks a month or whatever they are per streaming service. Again, look at that, kind of see what you're using. And then if you're not using it, cut it out. And again, they're going to always have deals for to bring you back, right? So yeah. I think that's that's the time to right now figure out what you're watching, where you watch it, or hey, maybe you were doing more cooking at home, right? Maybe you were doing like the 
you know, the HelloFreshes and the subscription boxes like that where they're sending you groceries and now the price is way up on those or mm-hmm. you're not liking those anymore. And why are we keep buying this? Mm-hmm. You know, all those, I think, uh, things add up quite a bit. And I think that there can be, you know, back to our fight inflation uh, pieces that that's yeah. that's something to kind of look at, too. So. I'll also kind of point out, um, actually, Curtis, you brought this up to me. Review things like your cell phone, by the way. Look mm-hmm. at your cell phone service. And sometimes your cell phone service is going to offer free bundling of these um, pandemic subscriptions that you you were doing. So maybe why are we bu- buying it out of our credit card? Right. We can put it into our cell phone service and we can get three of these uh, as part of what we're already paying already anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that's something where, you know, look at Amazon Prime, look at all these um, kind of free access to other services and and see what you can kind of uh, maybe get for free somewhere, too. So, again, that, I think that's what I'd say is pandemic subscriptions. Take out take that magnifying glass out. Look at it really closely. Ask your ask your housemates. Yeah. Hey, hey. Wife, hey, husband, hey, kid, have you have you been watching, um, you know, Paramount Plus? No, okay, good to know. So uh, that that sort of thing is, I think, a really important thing to go through. I agree, and I'm going to add one to it, Ben, because I, in real time, like three days ago, learned that I was double paying for something, um, and you brought it up when you were talking about paying for things with your credit card. One of my credit cards pays for my DoorDash subscription, and I did not know that. Um, so American Express offers DoorDash. Uh, dash pass did not know that so hmm. guilty interesting we were doubled up so <laughs> check your credit cards too folks uh, because yes. you just know, again the theme of just just reviewing everything i feel like that's just been a through thread here right it's just revisit yep. everything there's deals out there on the table that you may or may not be aware of but i want to kind of move into our kind of last tip here and this is one that uh, I know, Ben, you and I talk about it a lot. And Austin, we've had conversations as well. Just be careful. I feel like this is a statement for anything, not just uh, what we're talking about today with financial tips. But just be careful of what we hear and see and watch on apps like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or any other kind of short form video platform. Again, specifically in our realm here in the finance world, there's a lot of information out there. And I think for the starter, it can just be kind of an information overload as they're 30 second videos at a time. And every video is telling you something different, but they all seem to sound the same. And there's that itself can be overwhelming, I think. But there's just a lot of not professionally trained advisors, planners in the finance world on apps like that. And I think we've all seen the videos of the quick tip, you'll be a millionaire by 40 and all this stuff. And I think the underlying messages, some of them may be good intentioned, may not. I don't, it's just, there's so much of it. It's just so tough to take it all at heart. And I think the second piece is you really want someone that, you know, has life experience, is an actual advisor, has a practice, right? I know we all, you may be hearing me saying, Curtis, you're telling us not to listen to this stuff. You're doing a podcast, but you know, I think it's very, we, we do a good job of incorporating our practice with the podcast. You can find us. We have an office. You can come meet with us versus someone you may find on TikTok. It's just a video that went viral. So just be careful with those things. Again, if you see something and interests you, reach out to us, ask us. That's what we're here for, right? 
but again, there's stuff, again, a lot of times the advice is, is there at the surface, maybe good advice, but sometimes the context is off in these videos. And I think that's what we see a lot. And, you know, for uh, one, I think that we pick on a lot and, and we talk about this a lot with clients, you know, they say max out your 401k or max out your IRA every year and you'll be super rich by age 60. And while on the surface, the math works, but what they kind of don't talk about is maybe that person struggling to max out their 401k every year is now racking up thousands of dollars in credit card debt in the background because they're taking so much money out of a paycheck. So again, maxing out your retirement is great, but it's not necessarily on an island by itself. So I think it's important to get kind of full picture, which I think is tough to get with some of this short form advice content. What I hear you saying is just because Kim Kardashian says it's a good idea does not mean it's probably a good idea. What I hear you saying. Right? Hey, you said it, not me. <laughs> I don't need the Kardashian clan coming after me on social yes, media. Yeah, I, I, I probably just alienated the entire Kardashians against us today. So, well, well. Thank you, everybody, for kind of tuning in. I know we wanted to cover these nine tips and kind of where things were. And again, these are these are the kind of things that we've been kind of talking about. Obviously, in addition to, hey, we obviously get into a lot of the strategy on on investment theory and kind of where we should position and what's right for people in their plan. And and uh, Curtis and Austin really driving the planning process for our clients. Uh, and and that obviously brings all these conversations to light for for uh, kind of what we do. So. We thought there's there's enough here that uh, kind of warranted um, uh, some an episode and warranted something that maybe you as listeners could uh, to gain uh, some insight from as well. So we really appreciate tuning in. So we're going to have you can go to again we referenced a few different uh, resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can go to visit it at blog.guidancepointllc.com backslash 83 for episode 83 again kind of get some of the some of the links to some things we reference here today and and kind of check that out but you know we're, we're we're working hard on producing some more episodes for you if you need anything in the meantime please reach out all three of us would love to hear from you even just feedback of hey love the episode or you know, high five, keep it going or Curtis, you, know, you got me fired because I asked for a Curtis, raise. Yeah, I asked for a raise, you know, <laughs> and I should I know. And that was not a great decision. Whatever, right? We'd love to just hear some feedback from you. And uh, you can reach out to us uh, if you go to our webpage, guidancepointllc.com, and you can find us on our team there. Yeah. We really appreciate you tuning in today and hope you are, are safe and be well. Take care. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information-filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisors' mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.